Welcome to today's online worship experience. I'm Pastor Anthony. It's an honor to have you join us today. If you want to secure your Bible and your YouVersion Smart app, you can actually go to the events button in the menu, type in North Park Church, and all of today's scriptures and notes are going to be right here for you. Let's dive into God's Word together today as we start a brand new series called Auto Response. When somebody cuts you off in traffic, what's your auto response? When your spouse kicks an attitude, I mean when your children kick an attitude, what's your auto response? When you're hungry, angry, tired, frustrated, what's your auto response? When you're anxious or afraid, what's your auto response? When you see someone hurting or in need, what is your auto response? When that project or deal that you've been working on for so long just falls all to pieces, what is your auto response? When you encounter a person who doesn't see the world the way that you see it or share the same core values that you have, what is your auto response? One day I came home from work after a long, tired, and frustrating day in the office, and I very quickly became short and um, sharp with my kids and with my wife. And I'll never forget Marianne lovingly, compassionately, and patiently sharing with me, I don't know who made you angry or why you're frustrated, but it wasn't us, so don't you dare come home swinging. All right, so it wasn't loving, patient, or compassionate, but I needed to hear it. Now, I didn't come home physically swinging because my wife would have beat me down with a frying pan, but I did come home impatient and very sharp and short with my wife and kids, and I took out my day on them. My auto response in those situations was to be impatient and to be short with my family. See, an auto response is our default position that we develop over time to certain circumstances. Let me say that again. It's very important. It's kind of a basis for the series. Our auto response is that default position that we develop over time in certain circumstances. And I think sometimes our auto responses are somewhat involuntary. We're kind of hardwired a certain way, and so therefore we're going to respond a certain way. But sometimes I think we've developed some coping mechanisms, right? We've developed some auto responses um, to stress, anxiety, fear, and depression because we figured out that to respond in this way is, is a way that we can cope. And so therefore, uh, we just automatically respond over time to those situations. Uh, maybe your auto response is to build walls around your heart. So instead of building bridges to people and developing relationships, you put up walls because you want to keep people away from you because somebody's hurt you in the past and you're afraid that that's going to happen again. But the thing about it is life change happens in the context of meaningful relationships, but you don't possess those positive relationships because of your auto response of building walls instead of bridges. And as a result, you feel isolated and alone when what God wants is for you to be in relationship with people where life change happens. So if we intend to be more like Jesus, if we intend to have healthy relationships, 
We have to be intentional to overcome our unhealthy auto responses. Let me say that again. That's very important. If we intend to be more like Jesus, we have to be intentional to overcome our unhealthy auto responses. Now, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, by the way, had a young partner in ministry that he mentored. His name was Timothy. And Timothy was a great young leader, and Paul invested in Timothy a lot. Timothy was this devout follower of Jesus. He was a great leader and did really well at connecting with both Jews and Gentiles. And Paul actually placed Timothy in charge of one of the churches that they planted, and it was in the city of Ephesus. And because of the position of the church geographically, it was an extremely important work. Ephesus was busy. And it was an affluent economy. It was this hub for the Roman province of Asia. And so materials and knowledge flowed into this city from all over the world. And it sounds great. It sounds like a great place to plant a church. And it was. But the problem was the people of Ephesus were very susceptible to corruption because of the rampant pagan philosophies that were just flowing in and out. So for instance... So many people worshipped Artemis, the Greek god, goddess of the hunt, wilderness, wild animals, moon, and chastity. So like this Greek goddess, Artemis, was um, this place, this temple where people would go and worship, um, idol worship. And there was this very impressive temple that they would go to. And the worship of Artemis was this huge attraction in Ephesus, combining tourism and idolatry in such a way that it fueled the economy. And so these city officials got together and set aside an entire month of the year to honor the goddess with this grand celebration during which all work just ceased. So obviously this was very important to the people of Ephesus, and Timothy is leading a church in the middle of this environment. The stadiums would host athletic games in Artemis' honor. Theaters would produce plays, and there would be concerts, and people flocked from everywhere. And something was happening in Ephesus that I think we are battling today, and that is the culture looked nothing like the kingdom of God. So we have the word of God, and the Bible tells us what's important and the values that we should hold dear, yet the culture is moving further and further and further and further away from those things. How do we respond to all of that? And Timothy was dealing with the exact same thing in Ephesus. And so the book of Timothy is actually a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy to coach him on how to deal with this culture that he was encountering. Everyone was so engrossed in this culture of worshiping Artemis. And part of the worship um, involved sex acts and lots of food and drinking. Those things became part of the worship to Artemis. And so when many of these people became followers of Jesus, they associated these basic things with idol worship and didn't want anything to do with them. So some people were refusing to marry. Some people were avoiding all these types of foods um, because they associated those things with worship of Artemis. And they were trying so hard to get it right. Now that's important because we do that all the time. We try so hard to get this right. We want to follow Jesus. We want to do the right thing. We want to do the righteous thing. We want to do the godly thing. And we try so hard to get it right. 
as a follower of Jesus. But here's what I want you to see, and I think this is what Paul is saying in this letter. Simply trying harder is not the answer. True transformation takes place when you retrain your mind and heart. So just trying harder is not the answer. Something's got to happen in our mind and heart. Transformation has to happen. The Bible says that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we do that? We retrain our heart and our minds. Then and only then will our auto response look like Jesus. I mean, when you're in the moment and you have to make a decision, you don't always have time to process and think through your response. In any given situation, there is that auto response that kicks in. So how do you make sure that the auto response is one that brings glory and honor to the Father? All right, let's dive into 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 13 through, through 15. It says, and I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, Paul's writing to Timothy, so that if I'm delayed, here it is, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of truth. I came across this great quote this week. If the church doesn't disciple or train the culture, the culture will disciple or train the church. As the church, we have to stand for truth. Paul says the church of the living God is the pillar and foundation of the truth. And that's why it is so terrifying to me that so many people, even some churches, are blatantly disregarding the Bible as the living word of God. How on earth are we going to stand as a pillar and foundation of truth if we're just disregarding God's word in our life and saying that it's not relevant? The Bible is relevant. It is our blueprint for living, and it is the pillar and foundation of our truth as we stand as the church. And so Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, starting with verse 6, if you explain these things to brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by this message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. So it just gives us life, right? Nourishment. He says, don't waste time arguing over these godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, here it is, lean in, train yourself. Train yourself to be godly. He says in verse eight, physical training, that's good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. He says in verse nine, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and we continue to struggle for our hope is in the living God who is the savior of all people, particularly of all believers. So what are we saying? There is a big difference in trying harder to do something and training to do something. We've been trying harder long enough. It's time to train ourselves to have the right response to those situations that we find ourselves in life. Trying hard can only accomplish so much, but if you're serious about making sure that your auto response is to be like Jesus, you have to enter a life of training. And so you must arrange your life 
around certain practices that will enable you to do what you cannot do by willpower alone. Let me say that again. You must arrange your life around certain practices that will enable you to do what you cannot do by willpower alone. All right, let's talk about my golf game. Um, that's exactly what you want to hear about, I'm sure. I am, how would you say, the worst golfer in the world. Okay, that's what I would say. I am so bad, but I want to be good. I really do. My son and I really started getting serious about golf during COVID because it's like one of the things that you could still do. And so we would go down this little golf course close to our house and, and we would play. And what's bad is here we are, what, a year and a half almost from that experience. And my son is a pretty great golfer and I am worse than I was when I started. I, I don't know what happened. Uh, recently, um, I was playing with some friends and we're, we're all hitting from the same place because it was a tournament where we were playing kind of best ball. And, and three people hit before me and everybody hits the green. Everybody. And their shots were just beautiful. And I'm like, all right. This is it. This is all right. I got this. I, I can I can do this. And so I step up with my six iron, which is my club. And I I feel it, y'all. Like I can just feel the energy. Like I feel it. Like I can feel it. It's almost like the spirit of Tiger Woods has come upon me. And so I step up. I go through my pre-shot checklist in my head. And, and I just know this may actually go in. Like when I hit this ball it may actually go in the hole. I was that confident. And so I took my backswing and I swung my club with everything that I had within me, which was probably a big part of the problem. And instead of making great contact with the ball, I hit maybe six inches behind the ball. And my club hit the ground with such force, it didn't like kick up a divot. I, what came out of the earth um, could not be described as a divot. It was like I hit the ground with a shovel and I didn't even make contact with the ball. The earth that I dug up just kind of pushed my ball forward about five feet and my hands just kind of got stuck in the ground. Like when I hit, it just kind of got stuck. And to this day, that was like a few weeks ago, I think my wrist has sprained and a few of my fingers are sprained. Like I'm in such pain when I try to play now. What am I saying? I'm saying I was trying so hard. And that's kind of my answer to my game of golf. I'm just gonna go out there and I'm gonna try so much harder than I did last time. But the problem is I'm not getting any better. So what I have to do is I have to find a trainer and I have to be willing to go sweat in preparation so I don't bleed in the battle. I have to be willing to put in the work. There's some things that have to happen. I must arrange my life around certain practices that will enable me to do what I cannot do by willpower alone. And see, we do this spiritually all the time. We just try harder. We try harder, we try harder, but the reality is we're not putting in the work to see the response that we really need to see in our lives. We're just digging holes. Our auto response can often be extremely unhealthy. Some of us act out in an unhealthy way without even thinking about it. And some of us honestly have an unhealthy way that we even think about the world. Not only are our actions on autopilot or auto response and they're unhealthy sometimes just our default position in our mind is unhealthy 
I mean, think about it. We have these phones in our hands and we are being programmed, whether we like it or not, by factors that are way outside of our control. And we're being programmed by these things constantly. I did some research this week and this is what I found. You and I check our smartphones about 81,500. I just did it right then. Did you see me kind of look down and see if I missed anything? We check our smartphones about 81,500 times each year. That is about once every 4.3 minutes of our waking lives. Think about that. And every time that we do that, every time we hit Facebook, every time we hit Instagram, every time we go to our news feed, we are being programmed by the information that an algorithm decides that you should look at. I mean, think about that. An algorithm is determining what shows up in your feed. And whether you like it or not, we are being programmed by that information that's coming across our screen. We will not remain aware of God's presence in every moment and detail of our life by simply trying harder. We have to retrain ourselves. And in light of that information, I want us to dig into a critical verse of scripture in this process of training our auto response to be more like Jesus. Philippians chapter four, verses eight through nine. Paul writes to the Philippians, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. He could have said, retrain your thoughts. Like, refocus your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Basically, what he gives us is a filtration system. Filter every thought and action through those things. Is it true? Is it honorable? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Think about those things that are excellent. Think about those things that are worthy of praise and keep putting into practice. There it is again. Just keep practicing these things over and over and over. The things that you've learned and received from me, everything that you've heard from me and you've seen me do, do that just over and over every day of your life. Enter into this training mindset that I'm going to do this day after day after day after day. And as I do that, my auto response will be more like Jesus. And the result is, Paul says, then the God of peace will be upon you. God of peace. And that is what we need so much. So many of you need peace that passes your ability to understand. How do you receive that peace? You just keep putting these things into practice. It's exactly what Paul says, just a few verses of scripture before. I wish you could see it's right here on my wall. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need, thank him for what he's done. And when you do that, when you do that day after day after day, when you train yourself to do that, when you retrain yourself to do that, when you practice that every single day, what does he say? Then he will guard your heart and mind as you walk in Christ Jesus. All right, so training. Pastor, what are we talking about? What kind of training? we? I know, like we need to pray more. We need to read our Bible more. And yes, that's important. Spiritual disciplines must be a part of our life as we follow Jesus, but sometimes we do those things too in an effort to just try harder. I think there's more. I think there's more we can do. 
here's, here's something else, right? First of all, we need a coach. We need a coach. If you're going to train, you need a trainer, right? You need a coach. You need somebody to help you on this journey. And I want you to understand the Holy Spirit is a relentless player coach. This week, I was dialoguing with my friend, Dr. J. Michael Hollis, who's a great coach in the basketball world. And he's a great coach in discipleship in the spiritual world as well. And this is what he said. He said that the Holy Spirit is continually assisting us through this process. He's not just coaching us from the sidelines. He's a player coach. He's involved in the process. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit as a follower of Jesus on the inside of you, and he's working through you. He's, 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 he's directing you. He's coaching you continually through this process, but not from a distance, but literally he is on the inside of you. He's with you just as close as the mention of his name. And so we need to pay attention to the Holy Spirit, this coach who's with us because he is constantly at work in our lives. I was drawn back to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. And this is what it says about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. All right, so catch this. You said yes to Jesus, and, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, and the Holy Spirit is producing something inside of you. And this is what the Holy Spirit is producing, or at least attempting to produce. This kind of fruit, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If I ask people that you worked with, what's your default position? What's your auto response? When something goes haywire, when something goes wrong and everybody else is freaking out, everybody else is stressed, everybody else is anxious, everybody's short with each other, everybody's kind of lashing out at each other, what is your default position? What would they say? Would they say, oh, my coworker, oh my goodness, their default position, they love people. They have such joy. They have such peace. They're so patient. They're so kind. They're so good. They're so faithful. They're so gentle. They are so self-controlled. Is that your auto response? Because as a follower of Jesus, it should be. And here's what I want you to see. These things don't just happen. These are supernatural auto responses that we should have in our life as followers of Jesus who are being led and we're being discipled and we're being coached up by the Holy Spirit. And those things are developed supernaturally in our life over time. And every moment of life, at least potentially, is an opportunity to develop a different perspective and a different auto-response. So when you're sitting at tra in traffic, that becomes a training exercise in patience. And believe me, when you're sitting in traffic in Raleigh, you need patience. Mundane activities like cleaning the house can train our hearts in gratitude if we use those as an opportunity to thank God for his daily provision. So instead of complaining that you have this house to clean, why don't we spend that time rehearsing our gratitude that we even have a home to live in? Think about the people in the world that don't have the blessing. They would love to clean your, their house. They would love to clean a house that's theirs. 
And here you have this opportunity to do that instead of grumbling about something. Why aren't we using that as an opportunity to thank God for his blessing in our life? Even when we do fun things with our families and with our friends, those are opportunities to to be joyful and to recognize that there's so much in life that God has given to us um, to enjoy. So let's use even those opportunities as training ops to practice this spirit of joy and living our life with with, with laughter and, and taking advantage of every moment to make a memory with the people we love and hold dear. Every moment in your life is a chance to learn from Jesus of how to live in the kingdom of God and to forget that God is present in any moment. It's to forget the most important aspect of that moment. Remain aware of God's presence. Like that's the single most important thing that we can do as a follower of Jesus. Now, author John Ortberg gives us a couple suggestions of how we can do this. So these are kind of your action steps. Here's the first one. As you engage in any task, commit to doing it for the Lord from the very beginning. Colossians 3 and 17 says, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Vocalize it. Vocalize your thoughts and your intentions. As, as you carry out the task, say, I offer this task up to you, Lord. You, you pull out the vacuum cleaner before you start vacuuming up after your kids for the third time today. Lord, I offer this task up to you. I am grateful for this home. I am grateful for these children that I have to continually clean up after. God, I am grateful for the gifts that you've given me in my life. I remember when I was a young um, choir director at 19 years old at the Wallace Church of God when I was in college. I'll never forget those moments. Those were great training opportunities in leadership. I remember when I was working at a church in Wallace, North Carolina, I would stand on stage on Sunday and I would lead worship because that was part of my responsibility. But the other thing I did was clean the church during the week. And I hated that part of the job. Um, that wasn't very glamorous, but it was a great training opportunity for me as a young leader. I think every young leader needs to do that. And so I would, I would clean that church. And I remember like vacuuming that sanctuary and complaining. I hated doing that. And, and I really hated going in the bathrooms and cleaning those bathrooms. Like, what a mess. I'm like, this is not what God called me to do. He called me to do something other than this. Um, what I wanted to do was do the things that got applause. I didn't want to do the things where I had to take on the role of a servant and serve. And, and so the Lord was training me to serve. The Lord was training me to lead by example. And so I decided that I needed to retrain like my mindset. I didn't have the right mindset as I was doing these tasks. So I decided that I wanted to commit these tasks to the Lord. So I started praying. Um, Lord, help me as I do this to worship you because anything I put my hands to is worship. And so that's exactly what I did. I would dust the pews because they were old wooden pews and I had to dust the pews. And I would literally walk through there and I would pray for the people who would sit on those pews on Sunday. And I knew the people. Like it was a smaller church, I could call them by name. And I would pray for every family and I used it as an opportunity to do a prayer walk. 
And as I was vacuuming the altar space, I would pray that people would come to Jesus in that altar, that people would be healed and have an encounter with Jesus. I would be cleaning kids' classrooms and praying that God would touch these little kids, that God would help them to be the people that he created them to be. Even in the bathrooms, I'm at the commode, I'm scrubbing toilets and I'm praying, God, loose them and set them free. Um, That's bad. But I just did everything I could to make sure that even these mundane tasks, that they would be an opportunity for me to grow as a leader and for me to give thanks to the Lord for the opportunity to do it. So start the task by saying, Lord, I offer this experience, this task, this moment up to you. And then here's the second thing. John Ortberg says, think in terms of we, not just me. Think in terms of we. Make all of your thoughts really a conversation with the Lord. So instead of thinking, what should I say in this situation? Or what should I do in this situation? Maybe think, all right, Lord, what do you want to do in this situation? What are we going to do? You and me together, how are we, Lord, going to impact the situation? How are we, you working through me, how are we going to impact um, the office that I walk in today, the classroom that I walk in today? How are we going to accomplish what it is that you've called me to? Because I know I can't do it alone, and he's chosen to use you to do it. So there's a partnership that's happening here. So think in terms of that partnership. Lord, what are we going to do today? What do you have for us to accomplish today? And we do that together. God working through you, but choosing you as a vessel to actually work through. I love that thought process. Think in terms of we. And then here is your challenge for this next week. Recognize that all of life counts. If you let them, ordinary moments of your day, will become powerful training exercises in spiritual formation. Think any situation that you're in, how can this moment train me to better follow Jesus? How can this moment train me so that my auto response looks more like him? For example, when you're at the express lane in Target, let's be honest, you are not ready to try this at Walmart because Walmart's like next level stuff. But if somebody is rude, has way too many items for this lane, stop. And ask yourself, how can I use this moment to train in patience and graciousness? How can I use this moment to train in patience and graciousness? If someone offends you with a hurtful comment and you're on the verge of biting back, stop and ask, how can this moment train me to respond? Self-control, love, and grace. When you're on the verge of procrastination again, stop and ask, how can I respond in this moment in a way that trains me in perseverance and faithfulness? When you're tempted to grumble about the mundane tasks, stop and ask, how can I use this moment to train myself in gratitude for all that God's given to me? When you see somebody in need, but you really don't have time to stop and help, ask, how can I use this moment to train myself to be helpful and have the heart of a servant while still accomplishing everything that I need to today. It's not either or, it's both. And here's the bonus thing. Stay off social media this week. Just just lay that aside. And instead of doing that, create a playlist of worship music that is filled with motivation that reminds you of God's presence in your life every single day. And just fill your mind and heart day after day, day after day, so that you are aware 
that this player coach, the Holy Spirit, who's working from the inside out, is developing you and training you so that your auto response looks like Jesus. So that your auto response is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I recognize this is different. This is choosing and being intentional about living our lives in a very different way. But let's be real. If you want to see God do something that you've never seen him do, we're going to have to do some things we've never done. Let's try it. Let's see our altar response look like him. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you for my church family today. I am so thankful I get to be a part of this incredible family, these incredible people who are making a difference in this world as they pastor their city. We all need to work. We all have areas of our life where our auto response does not look like fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so I pray that you would forgive us of that first and foremost as we repent of those things. And then that you would give us the strength to retrain our minds, using every opportunity as an opportunity to learn, grow, and develop our faith as we follow you, and, and that our auto-response would look way more like you than the default position that we typically have in our life. God, help us to use your word as a foundation for these decisions, and that we would rely on your Holy Spirit for strength to live it out. And we are going to be quick to praise you and give you honor and glory for that. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today who's listening to this saying, but I don't have the Holy Spirit in my life because I'm not a follower of Jesus, then that's the first step for them. And I pray that they would take that big, bold step right now as they pray the simple prayer that says, Lord Jesus, I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. I am a sinner and need your grace, and I ask you to wash me, cleanse me, and set me free, and give me strength to live for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and made the decision to follow Jesus, please reach out to me and let me know. I would love to celebrate with you. Thank you so much for joining us today for inviting us into your home as we walk this journey together. And we really do wanna walk this journey together. One way we can do that is for you to navigate to northparkrdu.com, click the digital connect card, and give us an opportunity to learn more about you. When you do that, we actually wanna send some information to you, put some information in your hands, but mainly we wanna to get to know you and figure out how we can help you as you walk this journey with Jesus. Also, we'd love to get you plugged into a life group. So if you'd like to join a group of people, life change happens in the context of meaningful relationships and we wanna help you find those, let us know. We'd love to get you plugged in. And finally, if you would like to make an investment to build lifelong followers of Jesus, simply hit that online giving button. We wanna thank you in advance for your generosity, especially in this season. We love you and we are cheering you on. We can't wait to see you in person at Riverbend Middle School.